This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Jennifer Don, the author of The Joy Guide, Finding Your Joy in a World of Crap. Jennifer's work is for people who truly want to stop living each day in stress, overwhelm, and frustration, and bring more happiness and joy into their daily life. In The Joy Guide, a lighthearted how-to guide, Business and life coach Jennifer Dawn delivers 13 powerful lessons and exercises to help you. Identify and change the limiting beliefs and negative mindset holding you back from living your joy. Start feeling better in your daily life now with practical exercises you can put into practice immediately. Tap into your natural ability to work each day with clarity and focus. Create and define a vision of your dream life and stay in alignment with it each day. By the end of the joy guide, you'll have a deep understanding of the crap that's been holding you back and powerful, effective tools on how to overcome it and start living each day with more joy, ease, and flow. Jennifer Dawn is a whole life business coach, founder of Best Planner Ever and Best Journal Ever, and author of The Joy Guide, Finding Your Joy in a World of Crap. She began her entrepreneurial career selling apples off her grandfather's tree because a lemonade stand was so yesterday. She's a serial entrepreneur who has grown several multi-million dollar businesses, is a successful speaker and author. She helps motivated entrepreneurs master their goals, achieve a mindset for success, and build remarkable businesses and lives through whole life productivity and coaching. To learn more, visit bestplannerever.com and jenniferdawncoaching.com. Here is the interview with Jennifer Dawn. In your own words, who is Jennifer Dawn? Oh my goodness. So in my words, Jennifer Dawn is, oh gosh, that's a tough question. Um, I believe that I am motivating, inspiring, and also that person who might say what needs to be said, even if you might not want to hear it. <laughs> I'm like that tough love best friend. That would be who I feel like I am. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, The Joy Guide, Finding Your Joy in a World of C-R-A-P, 
I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. The first one is, what is joy to you, Jennifer? And how is joy different from happiness, or what we call happiness? Yeah, such a wonderful question. So joy to me is probably a little more than just a feeling or an emotion. To me, it's really like a state of mind. And it's a place where the energy is just flowing freely. <laughs> you, um, you're not really worried about too much. Now, it doesn't mean that life is perfect or you know everything is exactly the way that you want it to be. But it really, to me, joy is best defined as just a state of mind where you know, you're in that beautiful flow of life and that life force energy is just flowing, you know, through you and around you and out you and over and on top of everybody who's around you. That to me is how I would define joy. For happiness, I think the difference there, um, you know, happiness to me is more like, hey, you know, my, uh, I got a new client. Hey, you know, this wonderful thing happened to me. Hey, my kid did something awesome. And it creates this happiness like in the moment, definitely feeling an emotion, but it's a little different than that that joy-filled, <laughs> blissful state. So that's kind of how I would define each of them. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's the way I guess I define it too. The way you talked was, I see that joy seems to be connected to our internal energies, what is inside of us. And happiness is something, it has to do with something that comes from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to describe it where it's a little more happiness, maybe a little more from external things that are happening, whereas joy is more of that internal state that it just feels so much different, right? <laughs> Not being vulnerable or not letting the external things to affect us all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So I have three questions, the next ones, about life itself. What is life to you? Not what life is about, but what is life itself? Yeah, life to me is about being part of this beautiful planet, really, being a part of it, not being separate from it, not being... Um, you know, all up in our heads and in our stuff and making it, you know, all about us, which we often tend to do. Um, but to me, life is about being a part of the collective, um, a part of the planet, a part of the animal kingdom, the nature kingdom, just a part of really the whole experience that planet Earth is. How beautiful. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yes. Yeah. And the follow-up question is, what do you think is the opposite of life? Oh, <laughs> you know, of course, the easy answer to that is death, but death is part of life and it's a beautiful and necessary part of life. And so I would say the opposite of life is going to be that, okay, hell, <laughs> that hell, that not like the flames and the burning and all of that kind of stuff. I would say the the state of mind that we can kind of work ourselves into where we are suffering on a daily basis and, you know, really stressed out and stretched super thin and just worried, 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 you know, guilting ourselves, shaming ourselves and living in that, that state of mind. I would say that to me would be the opposite of life and living would be that state of mind where you're just kind of in a, in a living hell all the time. Yeah, that also resonates, right? 
it might be even worse than physical death. In a yeah, way. yeah, absolutely. And my last question about life is, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience? I think that the purpose, this is, of course, Jennifer's opinion, but <laughs> I think the purpose is to grow, to grow and expand and to create and to really get bigger, 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 not necessarily like egos and bank accounts, but I mean, our growth, our personal growth, our spiritual growth to, to learn, to evolve, to grow. For me, that's what I feel like the purpose of life is here because really every experience, it doesn't matter whether we, you know, judge it to be good or bad. Every experience is an experience. And if we go into it um, with that open mind, every experience can really help us grow, really help us become more wise, help us learn all of those things. And so to me, that would be how I would define the purpose. I love that, Jennifer. Yeah, I love your wisdom already. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the next two questions, they relate to being a female in a human body. So the first one is, what do you love the most about being a woman? Oh, gosh, I love everything about being a woman. That probably um, <laughs> might sound bad, but there have been many days where I'm like, oh, thank goodness I'm not a man. I really am so grateful to be in this female body. Now, that being said, I am a, have always been a bit of a tomboy. So I'm in a female body, but I like to do tomboy things. But I'm definitely so grateful to be in a female body. And I would, if I had to pick one thing that I love the most, it was giving birth. I had three children and just the ability to bring a human life into this world. Yes, it's painful. And, you know, we have stretch marks and yes, okay, waking and all this kind of stuff, whatever. The experience of getting to bring a life into this world, I just think there's just there's just nothing that can really compare to that. And you, you can't really do that unless you have a female body. Do you think that there's something that could replace that for women who choose not to have children? That's my yeah. case. But not that I chose in a way, just happened to be this way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I had um, oh, I have a, one of my long term closest friends and um, actually and I have friends, too, have also chosen not to become parents. And I actually think that that's a really good choice if you choose that. Now, if it wasn't your choice and you didn't want to do that, there's still so many other ways to embrace that maternal spirit, you know, like when somebody gets hurt, you know, they generally want their mother <laughs> and just, <True. laughs> you know, that female energy, that nurturing spirit, like there's just, it's so soft and warm and comfortable and safe. And there's just nothing like it, you know, whether you have children or not, it really doesn't matter. You still have that, that nurturing maternal energy. And I think that that is energy that the world needs. You know, I often look, I'm in business, obviously all the time because I'm a business coach and work with a lot of business owners. And we need more of that female energy, that female spirit. We need it in politics. We need it in our government. Like we need it on the boards of businesses because women make decisions differently. They make decisions based on the whole, you know, what's good for everybody and not judging men, but, but sometimes you see them making decisions which are more in their own best interests. And so I just think that women have so much to offer. We're just like this amazing untapped resource. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be out there more and doing more. Yes, I agree again. <laughs> and my other question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman, in your opinion? 
Goodness. So I would say the most challenging aspect is sometimes being an untapped resource. Um, like I said, I'm in the business world a lot. And when I was in corporate, you know, it was a it was a male dominated industry. And nothing again, I have nothing against men. I think they're fantastic. But there were a lot of times where they they don't want the female's opinion or they will look down on you. Um, there's a lot of criticism sometimes because you're, you know, quote, too emotional. Um, I think our emotions are one of our most power, powerful assets and tools and we're often looked down on these emotions, you know, we're too soft, this kind of stuff. It's not true, but it can definitely make the, the, the female role a bit challenging when you tend to be, I think, somewhat misunderstood sometimes. Yes, it's true. Yes. Yeah. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What does it mean to be free? Oh, such a great question. To me, freedom is surrender. And it is really about just letting go and getting outside myself and, you know, checking my perspective, (laughs) checking my ego. You know, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect, you know, tons of money, the perfect weight, you know, all this stuff. Like it doesn't mean any of that stuff to me at all. It's really a state of mind. And for me, it's about surrender and just really letting go and being again in that flow of life and accepting things as they're coming, um, good or bad. It doesn't really matter. But just really being in that flow to me that that feels like freedom. It sounds like freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Do you connect freedom to inner peace? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, when you're free and you're feeling freedom, it's kind of hard not to feel at peace. Now, it doesn't mean that, like I said, that, that you could be going through different, difficult, challenging situations where you maybe you might be struggling a little with that, with that inner peace. But I do think that freedom and inner peace are definitely connected to one another. It really feels and sounds like to me. And my next question has to do with the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Oh, my goodness. Right now, the world's greatest need. Um, It sounds maybe kind of small, but I just want to say, just wear the mask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, common sense. (laughs) I mean, come on. There's a shortage of common sense right now. And (laughs) I think that if the world could get just a little, maybe a large dose of just common sense right now, I think that would make everybody safer and certainly happier and lowering (laughs) the stress level a little bit. Yeah. So I think right now, just a nice dose of common sense would be would be lovely and much appreciated. Do you think something will come out of this situation? What lessons will we learn collectively from this? Do you have an idea, a vision? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm already seeing so many lessons come out of it, um, especially with all my clients and even in my own business. But so many lessons being learned, so many um, shifts in perspective, so many people who um, have never had to face anything like this and they're rising to the occasion. I'm seeing so much creativity where people are figuring out ways of still staying connected and getting work done and keeping businesses open, you know, really tapping into that ingenuity and creativity that, you know, they really weren't required to tap into before this. I I am seeing so many lessons learned 
that, um, you know, it's more important to pull together than to, um, cause we are, we are a world, you know, we are all in this together. And I'd love to see more people really realize that this is, you know, a world, <laughs> it's a global thing, not just a, you know, one country kind of thing. And, to maybe change that perspective a little bit to to realize that we are all in this together. I sense like something's happening, that people are changing around me, my family members and all. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciating so many of the things that we kind of took for granted before. Yeah, true. That's another powerful state of mind, right, Jennifer? Gratitude. Yeah. What is love to you? Love. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Love, again, is just a wonderful feeling. I'm going to say, but love to me is also about connection. It's really about having a close, intimate, personal connection. And it, it doesn't have to necessarily be with, you know, an intimate partner. It could be with your children. It could be with animals. Um, it could be with mother nature. That's the beauty of it. And so to me, love is that that deep, satisfying connection that you have with anything really around you. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. True. What, where, and who is God to you? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. To me, God is universal life force energy. He or she, I don't really think there's probably a gender there, but we'll just say, you know, he is everywhere. He's everywhere and everything. I think a lot of people sometimes, you know, say that they want to be closer to God or they want to know God, and that's wonderful. But I also do think, you know, God is everything. And if you really want to know God, you have to be willing to take to take it all in because life, you know, God is life. It is death. It is the good. It is the bad. It's it's everything together. Um, but to me, that's what it is. It's that unifor- universal life force energy. It's that place inside yourself. If you've ever had the, the opportunity to really get connected to, to yourself and to your higher self and that place, it's just this beautiful euphoric place. And to me, that that is God. What a beautiful answer. Yes. So let's talk about your work. And my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer, Jennifer? Oh, yes. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like I've always done some writing. It's just been a part of who I am. And I've always, of course, done a lot of business writing just in my companies. But the book was really just kind of like in there. It was just on my mind. And I just, it needed to come out. I don't know any other way to explain it, but I just, you know, put my fanny in the chair one day and was just like, okay, I really need to get this out of me. Even though I do a lot of writing, like I said, you know, blogs and articles and and things like that. So I'd, I'd done those kinds of projects, but I hadn't really sat down to to write an entire book. <laughs> and so it was definitely a fun project and one that you want to get a little bit of help with for sure. I have a question for you about this specific book you wrote. What was the intention of writing The Joy Guide? Yeah, so really the intention was to give people a little more like how to, like how do I really do this? You know, I've I've read many books where they talk concepts, you know, hey, these are the concepts that you need to do, but I'm a coach and so I really wanted to give people some practical, tangible, like 
this is an exercise that you can do to actually put this concept into practice. And so that was really my intention with the book was to give people a step-by-step like how to, if you're not feeling as much joy in your life as you'd like to be feeling, here are some things that that you can do right now today to start to start shifting that in your life. I have some questions here, specific questions on that. But before that, let me ask you this question. Why did you choose to become a whole life business coach? Yeah, it's funny because it took me some time to actually phrase it that way because I'm I'm not really a life coach. I, I certainly don't market myself as a life coach. I'm really a business coach. I, I work with all business owners, but through the coaching process, we end up, you know, dealing with life stuff because it's life and right. <laughs> we have to deal with it and it will affect the business. And so I also found in my coaching that I don't want to only focus on that business. I really want to look at a person's whole life. The business is a piece of that. It's not all of that. I'm not the coach who's going to say, you know, sit in your chair and grind away and you're not allowed to have a personal life. You have to work, work, work. And there are coaches out there who do do this. And that's great if that's what you want. But for me, I really wanted to look at that whole person. So I didn't want to exclude the life coaching part of that, even though primarily with my clients, our, our goal is a business oriented goal, but really achieving in the business to me, the purpose of that is so that you can live a full life. And so that's where the whole life came from whole life business coaching. I love that term. Yeah. You're addressing all parts of life or life as a whole, not just parts of life. The first question I want to ask you about your work is because you talk a lot about shifting from this unhappy mindset to a joyful one. Is this a decision we make or a practice, an understanding for life? Yeah, I'm going to say both. It's definitely a decision, but few people can just, you know, snap their fingers and be like, now I'm happy. Right. <laughs> you know, now I feel joy. <laughs> now, the better you get at it, yes. And that's where the practice part of that comes in. But I do think that the whole thing begins with a decision, a decision on your part that you are willing to change, that you want something different, that you want something better. And if you don't make that first decision to to really decide that, hey, I'm going to do something different, I'm willing to change, I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone, like if you don't make that first decision, the rest of it is kind of moot. It doesn't really matter. So the decision is probably the most important, crucial part is making that decision. Now, that doesn't mean that you have all the answers, you know exactly how to do it. It doesn't mean any of that, but it does mean that you have at least committed, set that intention that I'm going to do something different here. Once you've set that intention and made that decision, from there, it's absolutely a practice. <laughs> it's absolutely mm, practice. Yes. And it's not like, right. a, I practiced for five minutes today. No, it's more of a 24-7, 365 <laughs> kind <laughs> so. of practice. Yes, it, it, that you're putting into, into place, right, in your life. Because every, every moment is an opportunity. And even a, quote, negative or bad moment is still an opportunity for your growth, for your joy, for all of these things. And so that's definitely where the practice just comes in. Yeah, definitely. The practice part, I absolutely agree. And I love the idea of making that decision in the commitment. But I'm wondering what leads us to make that decision? What does it take? Yeah. 
usually it's pain. I mean, truly, usually the pain just needs to get to a point where it's bad enough that it's enough of, you know, a motivator that just like I need to get out of it. At least that's what I see and that's what I've experienced when the pain starts to just outweigh <laughs> the, the I'm not going to do anything about it. That tends to be the trigger to, you know, require somebody to say, you know what, I just don't want to be in this pain anymore. I want to do something different. Yeah, it takes suffering. Yeah. So my other question is about the challenges and obstacles. What are the obstacles to that commitment? What usually gets in the way? Yeah, usually it's us. <laughs> Ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ourselves. That's pretty much always what gets in our way. But here's the thing. We want to like point at all these other things. We want to say, oh, it's my partner. It's my kids. It's my employees. It's my blah, 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 fill in the blank. But really what gets in our way is us. I mean, hands down every single time, it's it's always us. So the practice is really self-awareness, self-knowledge, mm-hmm. self-everything, right? <laughs> self-everything. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about self-everything, do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do. Absolutely. I absolutely do. Now, getting there can be difficult, but I absolutely do believe in unconditional self-love. I mean, we are brilliant, beautiful beings and we're not meant to be perfect. And, but I do believe that our soul is divine and it's a beautiful, perfect thing. And we, we should absolutely love ourselves unconditionally. And I know I get the answer a lot of times that that is dangerous because of narcissism and egocentric kind of ideas and selfishness. So do you somehow connect unconditional self-love to selfishness? Can that be confused in any way? Yeah, I think it can definitely be confused. And when I think of unconditional self-love, I don't think of narcissism. I don't think of selfishness. I've worked with some narcissists before. Um, They're not fun people (laughs) to be around. And and honestly, if they love themselves the way that they could and have the potential to love themselves, I feel like the narcissism would go away. Honestly, this is me. When we're talking about unconditional self-love, we're talking about something beautiful, pure, and we're also talking about something that doesn't hurt other people. And when we deal with, you know, selfishness and narcissism, those lower those lower human places, often those are hurting other people. And unconditional self-love does not have to mean that somebody else, you know, gets hurt in that process. It shouldn't. And in fact, when we love ourselves the healthy, healthy way, our love just overflows and it overflows onto those around us. And that to me is not narcissism or selfishness. Yes. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, I needed to have that on the podcast. I hear that a lot from my guests, but once in a while I get some people to tell me that's dangerous, the idea of unconditional self-love. But I kind of don't understand why would that be dangerous because I think the way you do, that when we love ourselves unconditionally, we tend to do the same for others. We love others in life itself in the same way. So they don't seem to be related. In your book, you talk about stress. So how do we learn to manage stress, Jennifer? 
Yeah, great question. And I think that the first thing is uh, to going back to kind of what we've already discussed a little bit is making the decision that you're going to manage it. Otherwise, it can just really carry us away. But if you haven't really made that decision that you want to lower your stress level or live in a way um, with less stress, it, it is going to continue to kind of keep you on that uh, that roller coaster. But yeah, I would say that making that decision first that I really am going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lower my stress level. And then from there, looking at different ways of doing that. And there's Gosh, there's so many ways to lower your stress, but it all starts with taking back your power on it. I mean, you know, as soon as you start making excuses of why, you know, all the 25 reasons why you just have to be so stressed out, you've basically given all your power away to all of those excuses. And so if you really want to do something about it, you, you got to take your power back on it and you got to be willing again to to own it and, and to do something about it. And Luckily, stress is one of those things that's totally fixable. <laughs> totally fixable. Yeah. I love this idea of taking responsibility and just doing what we can do rather than complaining about and finding excuses, like you said. And that's right. true. Right. Um, in your book, you say the time to feel better is now. How do we learn to think differently? <laughs> I wanted to learn to think differently about time. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it does come back to kind of taking your power back on time. And this happened, this used to happen with me all the time and with my clients as well. And it's one of the first things that we will often work on because time's your most precious asset. You can always make more money, but you can't really make more time. Mm -hmm. And so this is why it is so, so important to have a really good working relationship with time. But if you wake up each day and the story you tell yourself and the story you tell the world is, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, and you find yourself, you know, repeating this and saying this and thinking this, then it will become your reality. <laughs> it, it will become your reality. And so to, to have a new reality, really, it's just a couple of words difference. It's, you know, I have all the time I need. And that was actually words that I started using when I wanted to flip this around. And so anytime I started feeling myself pressed for time, I would just change my thinking. I would change my words and I would just take a deep breath and I would be like, wait a second, I have all the time I need. And now I don't have to use it that often, but anytime I do feel myself getting pressed for time, I just flip that little switch. <laughs> I'm just like, no, wait, let me flip the switch. Let me take some control here over the reality I want my life to be. And I just say, you know, I have all the time I need. And you know what? I have all the time I need. It just always seems to work out. <laughs> Even on a really busy day, it's odd. This, I'll be like, I have all the time I need and something will shift and somebody will reschedule and I'll get that little opening that I needed. And it just always seems to work out. But it really started with me being aware of, what I was saying and what I was thinking. And then honestly, flipping it is generally just a couple of words different <laughs> and words have power. And so it's, you know, change a couple words and let that be the story that you're telling all day long. It's changing the conversation that we have within, within mm -hmm. our own minds. Yeah. Yes. That's so interesting. I woke up this morning and I usually wake up the first thing I think is like all the things I have to do but today I woke up and I said to myself something differently I said what do I love about this moment mm, that's such a great question yeah, yeah and that changed everything felt less pressured to do everything that I had to do throughout the day so that reminds me of some teachings from the law of attraction is that connected somehow 
Um, sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the law of attraction and, you know, like attracts like. So I, I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's the most simple, basic, you know, principle in our universe, like attracts like. And if you want more of something, you know, be that. I absolutely love that. And, you know, sometimes I love what that question that you asked yourself, that's so beautiful and and so present. And sometimes it really just takes like you got up and you asked a different question and you just switch those words. Sometimes I um, was coaching a client today and her belief was everything is work. She's like, everything's work. My, my relationships work. My kid is work. My work is work. My everything is work. And we worked on this a little bit and we changed that for her to everything is play. Mm -hmm. And she was like, wait a second. So if I look at work as play and being with my kid is play and being with my husband is play, it shifted everything for her. So sometimes if you get stuck, you know, in those thought patterns and what you're thinking, just change it up a little bit. And it's amazing how much you can shift that energy around. The challenge might be that we live in our minds most of the time and then we get caught up in thoughts and we forget that we are more than thoughts. We are. Sometimes we forget that thoughts are powerful and they are actually controlling our lives like Mm -hmm. you said and that's so true yeah i like the zen teachings or i like the zen teachings because buddhism because they teach us to just one thing one thing only you're not the mind so don't believe your thoughts right but that's a little too extreme in a way for me it worked for a long time but now i have learned to be more open to everything and not be afraid of anything of my mm-hmm. own thoughts. So whatever comes, I just embrace as they come. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a few more questions about the well-being assessment mm, that you have yes. in your book. But before that, you have step one, two, three. Before uh, well-being, this word, do you connect well-being to wellness? Are they the same Do they mean the same thing to you? Yeah, for me, absolutely. Um, I mean, wellness could obviously be attached to your health, health and wellness, obviously. But um, well-being to me is kind of that overall, that whole person um, and looking at all areas of the person, all areas of life and looking at, you know, general overall well-being would be all areas of life. So talk to me about the well-being assessment. Yes. So this is a tool that I included in my book. As I mentioned, I really wanted this to be more of a how-to guide, a, you know, tangible steps that I could take. And so with the well-being assessment, it's, it's just an assessment that I created where you are bringing awareness into all areas of your life. And so it just walks you through different areas of your life and it asks you to get really clear on um, a score for your life. So on a scale of one to 10, one being it's awful and 10 being it, it it couldn't be any better to just go through and really rate each area of your life. And then for areas that score less than a 10, giving some thought to what would need to change in order to bring that area of your life, that score up to a 10. And so again, we're bringing awareness into all areas of our lives because we get really busy. And sometimes we just don't take the time to look at these things or study them or think about them. And so this is really an awareness exercise, but also a thinking exercise, you know, instead of just, you know, complaining about whatever area of our life, it requires us to put some thought into, well, what would need to change for me to really feel feel happy, satisfied, fulfilled, content in all areas of my life. That sounds wonderful and sounds like having balance. I guess that's the word that comes to mind. 
mm-hmm. it's another practice or it's an understanding? Yeah, um, balance, work-life balance. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I love it. I really do. But I think that the balance comes from inside. It doesn't come from outside. It doesn't come from you know, how you're scheduling. It doesn't come from, oh, well, look, I'm spending five hours of my personal life and five hours of my professional life. So I have work-life balance. You know, it's not that it's, it's about having the balance on the inside. And that's really where it comes from. It's not an external, you know, scheduling planning kind of thing. That connects to the title of your book, Joy. Mm -hmm. That's an inside job. Yeah, it absolutely is. I love that, Jennifer. I love and I believe that everything starts here inside in order to manifest out there. Yes. Yeah. You talk about gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and why gratitude matters and the joy killers. What would that be? Stress, for sure, one of them. (laughs) Yeah, stress, absolutely. Um, One of the joy killers is unforgiveness. And I think this is a a really, really big one. Um, Harmful actions that we're doing to ourselves, that would be another one. Um, But unforgiveness, I think, is a huge one. You know, we go through life and things happen and we carry this stuff with us. And, the you know, the more we carry it with us and we continue to go through life and then, you know, things happen and it hits that stuff, <laughs> it activates it, not always in a good way. And, you know, as we're carrying it around, like it can just kind of get bigger and bigger and that keeps us more in our heads. And it took me a long time to learn what forgiveness was really about. Like logically, I understood the concept, but emotionally, I didn't feel it in my heart. And I came from a, a, a childhood of, of abuse. And my mother was actually a very toxic, very narcissistic person. And so growing up with that was very difficult. And I thought forgiveness meant, you know, what they did was okay. (laughs) It doesn't mean any of that at all. It's really about releasing yourself and you're not going to fully experience your joy if you're carrying around like lots of toxic grudges and holding things against people. And so that's why that is definitely one of the joy killers. If you if you want to find your joy, you're going to you're going to be doing some forgiveness. I'm wondering if we are able to heal or forgive because sometimes it feels like forgiveness is also a um practice or oh yes process yeah it's both it really is it's a practice and a process and often at least for me when i first started practicing it you know it didn't happen right away i didn't have some magic aha moment where i felt better um it definitely took time and it te- it took me really sticking with it and really committing and continuing you know forgive 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 and even these days, like um, I always tie forgiveness to my shower. <laughs> it sounds silly, but it's an, it's a quick reminder that whenever I'm in the shower and the water pours over my head, I just think of forgiveness and I, I let the water carry away, you know, anything, anybody, any situation that I need to forgive. And it's just a daily thing that I do. It's It's been really good because I, I, I always am like, I don't want to forget. <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I don't want to carry anything with me. I don't have to carry. So Every day I'm in that shower and I just use the water and that's my just my mm-hmm. habit. I guess I've created that the water goes with forgiveness. I love that, Jennifer. I'm going to try it, actually. There you go. That sounds good to me. Yes. I love the water, too. So, yeah, that makes sense. I interviewed somebody who said that water is liquid crystals. Mm. And that kind of resonated. Yeah. 
That would make a lot of sense. Water is so healing and it just feels good, you know, to be, you know, you go to the ocean and you just feel better and you go to streams and lakes and you just feel better. So I think water does definitely have an amazing healing power. Another topic here from the chapters in your book that caught my attention is the power of quiet. Mm. Talk to me for a moment about that. Oh, goodness. Um, You know, it's funny. I didn't grow up a meditator. I grew up in a very religious household where it was, you know, toe the line or or else. And um, there was no spirituality in it, I guess is the best way to describe it. You have a, a lot of religion, but no real spirituality. And so I never learned about meditation. I never learned about taking quiet time for yourself. And it really wasn't until my later years that I started to discover Um, the power of that and started to really just be, gosh, just really attracted to it. (laughs) Like it feels, it feels so good once you learn how to quiet the mind and quiet those those thoughts and just sit with yourself and, and be there with yourself. And there's all different kinds of way that you can experience the quiet time, you know, from CEOs who set aside, you know, just their, their CEO thinking time to, you know, meditation techniques to, you know, taking time to just plan your day. There's lots of different ways to express this. I don't feel like it has to be just, you know, one or the other, but just taking that quiet time to really connect with yourself, to, to breathe, to, let some stuff go (laughs) to get yourself, you know, in the right mindset. I just think it's just so vitally important. I really wish it was something that they would, would teach us in schools. They need to teach us how to manage our money and they need to teach us about spirituality. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Those are essential for life, essential tools for life. I agree, Jennifer. So I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. Before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Oh, no, this has been fantastic. I'm loving all of your questions, too. (laughs) They're just fantastic. (laughs) So a few more of these questions. The next one is about success. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you? Yeah, for me, um, I kind of tie success to achievement. Um, for me, that feels good. You know, did I did I achieve the goal or didn't I? And we could tie failure to that as well. And and failure really, I looked it up. It's it's actually just defined as not meeting a goal <laughs> that you set out for. It doesn't mean all the horrible things that we put on it when we say we failed. Dun dun dun. You know, it's so horrible. It's really not. It's not. And so for me, success and failure are like, hey, you know, I set a target. I either hit it or I didn't. And if I hit it, success. If I didn't hit it yet, failure. And I keep going until, boom, we have success. Like you said before, we are already perfectly imperfect. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So my other question is about healing. What is another word for healing? Oh, goodness. I would say another word for healing would be complete, completeness. To me, that's what healing feels like is being really complete in in all areas, our mind, our body, our soul, being fully complete in all those areas to me is how I would describe another word to describe healing. And that starts with the mind, right? As you mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? 
Oh my goodness. Well, I might learn to ride a motorcycle because it's been on my list for a while and I haven't done it yet. (laughs) So I would definitely probably learn how to ride a motorcycle. Of course, I, you know, of course you would spend more time, you know, with your family, but yeah, I know that's probably silly, but, uh, I, that's one thing I'm just like, dang it, I haven't learned how to do that yet. <laughs> my my husband has a motorcycle and I ride with him, but there's just this part of me that needs to know how to do it myself. <laughs> that's an interesting goal <laughs> to put on your list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's fun. Sounds fun to me and dangerous too, so be careful. <laughs> yes, yes, I will, I will. And <laughs> um, my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know for sure that life is really about learning and it's about growth and that the more we learn, the better life gets for, for sure, without any question whatsoever. I know that life without love is pretty difficult. (laughs) I don't think that I would want to have a life without love. And like I said, love comes in so many forms. We can love our work. I have a horse. I love my horse dearly. It's his picture on my phone. (laughs) I do have my kids on there too, but my horse's picture is on there. Um, You know, our, our family, our friends are, we love reading. We love riding motorcycles, right? It's really just such a beautiful thing that you can have in life and um, get as much love in there as you possibly can. And let's the third thing that I know about life is it's a gift. It's truly a gift. And if you don't have that perspective or you're suffering or you're really feeling like, you know, you're hurting in your life, I think it really is important to do that work on yourself so that you can recognize life for the gift that it is. And it's really a miraculous thing when you think about it. We're on this amazing planet. We're spinning around in space and there's, you know, thousands and millions of miles between us and, you know, the next closest thing. I always will, I will look at the sun, right? The sun, it seems like it's so close, but it's like a hundred million miles away. (laughs) And yet... It's yeah. like this, you know, our this friend that warms our days and really allows us to be alive. And for me, it kind of puts it in perspective of just what a gift it is that this star 100 million miles away causes us to be able to live on this planet. So that would be my third thing. Life, life is a gift treated as such. I love your wisdom, Jennifer. Uh, I love your energy. I love your presence. (laughs) Yeah, it's that heart. I feel the heart wisdom just speaking. So thank you so much for being you and for being here with us in this planet, Earth. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful. My pleasure. Yeah, thank thank you so much for having me. And I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Absolutely. So you can visit me on my planner website, which is bestplannerever.com, or you can visit me on my coaching website, which is jenniferdawncoaching.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Great. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jennifer Dawn and her work, please visit bestplannerever.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aiden Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Thank you.